Hello, my name is Jen Zangrillo, and I am one of the authors in the book Miraculous. I am a spiritual warrior, a Reiki master, and self-actualizing advisor who empowers lightworkers to heal from trauma and conditioning to discover their gifts, freedom, and light. I'm about to release my memoir, Finding Color, which details my awakening journey of uncovering repressed childhood trauma in the midst of a high-pressured tech career while overcoming depression and adventuring through multiple past lives and dimensions. I ultimately discover the complexity of darkness and light, the struggle between the two throughout the history of time and how vital it is to bring light into this tumultuous world. I graduated from Boston University, where I studied elementary education and computer science. I wrapped up a successful tech career as an executive that helped drive my company to a successful acquisition, which ultimately ended up funding my intense healing journey. I live in Charleston with my soulmate husband and my circus of animals. My chapter is called Finding Color. I almost died. To be more specific, he almost killed me. I was just 22 and had graduated from Boston University at the top of my class with a bright and shiny future ahead of me. I had no idea how just one night could reveal my brokenness that I hid from myself and everyone else for my entire life. But it was a wake-up call, and I eventually found the healing I needed, although it was years and years later. It was a typical night for us. We went to a concert downtown. Music was the only interest he had, other than being high, wearing expensive clothes, and eating chicken wings. One of his very few merits was that he always took me to the most unbelievable shows and restaurants. It sounds like a dream, but then he would dress me up in clothes that were a little more slutty than I'd like, heels a little higher than were comfortable, and he fed me way too many drinks because he liked me better when I was drunk. I guess I was a better dancer when I was inebriated because it was vitally important that his little trophy on his arm looked good and was a sexy dancer. I remember him holding me so tenderly while the band played, swaying to the music together as one. It was the only peaceful part of the night because we were also playing our typical nighttime games. He'd try to get me so drunk I couldn't stand and then force me to give him lap dances like a stripper while constantly critiquing my moves, which weren't much given I was a sheltered white girl from suburbia, Connecticut. While I tried to trick him by going to the bathroom and flushing my drink down the toilet and then filling it up with water, or I would just forget it and leave it in the stall. I liked when there was a line in the bathroom. He gave me some time to myself, and when I'd get into the stall, I would just stand there trying to regain my balance, trying not to cry, although sometimes I did. 
I looked forward to those precious little moments all alone. How ironic was it that I had to be crammed in a tiny bathroom stall in a dirty club to realize what a horrible box I found myself trapped in. I was waiting for him at the end of the show and a drunk guy was hitting on me. It was drilled into my head that I wasn't allowed to smile at other guys and I did my best to ignore the advances. Apparently, it wasn't good enough for him and anger flashed through his body as he walked toward me. He grabbed me, forced me into a, a cab, and then to his apartment where he kept me trapped for hours, beating me. It started with punches in the face. Then he threw me on the floor and kicked me in the ribs. He broke one vertically and injured the organs underneath. Every time I tried to leave, he pulled me back into the apartment by my hair. I screamed, but no one cared. Now I know it's more effective to scream help instead of just making noise. The whole time I was pleading with him, telling him that he loved me and to stop because you don't hurt somebody that you love. Those wor words fell on deaf ears. He wasn't my boyfriend of four years. He wasn't even a person. He was a ball of hot fury and anger that felt liberated with the delicious evil that resided in his body that he was finally able to unleash. Even though he was a former football player, an entire foot taller than me and 150 pounds heavier, I was fast and I was strong. My weakness was I was trying to reason with him instead of fighting back. I remember vomiting after he kicked me in the ribs, which was surprising because I hadn't thrown up since I was 11. Then I was back on the floor and then dragged on the bed and then his hands were around my throat. He started squeezing. I started to see black and then a movie started to play on the blackness. It was the story of my life. Every scene lasted a split second Yet, it seemed to go on forever. I remember being born, trying to climb out of my crib, hugging my two-year-old brother, tying my shoes for the first time, building forts, sitting in my mom's lap, elementary schools. All my friends and teachers made an appearance. I was ecstatic to see everyone. Wow, I knew a lot of people. And then it went on to gymnastics. God, I love gymnastics to mean girl fights, to my brother telling me he was gay, to graduation, to college, to more friends and family. And then I started speeding down a dark tunnel, floating in the air with nothing to hold on to, heading somewhere far away from life, from earth. It was so peaceful. And I heard a little voice say that I didn't need to be scared. And then every cell of my body screamed, no. My eyes snapped open and I was back in his bedroom with his hands squeezing the life out of me. I remember feeling like a rag doll. My arms and legs couldn't move. And I just felt so small in his hands and so vulnerable because it really isn't hard to kill someone. Human necks are very fragile. 
all of a sudden I felt a surge of energy go throughout my body and my lifeless legs suddenly started kicking ferociously. I was a brown belt in Kempo Karate and finally decided to use my skills. Where are his nuts? I have to kick him in his nuts. But I could barely see, I couldn't breathe, and my legs were only reaching his calves. I didn't care. I kept fighting with all my might, started poking at his eyes, and just as I felt like I was about to go underwater, I landed a kick. I don't know where, but he screamed in pain and let me go. Gasping, I ran out of his apartment, and this time he was too slow getting up to grab me by the hair again. Even though he followed me out, I reminded him about the cameras in the hallway and the elevator, so he didn't touch me. I somehow escaped him, and the next day decided to go to the hospital just to document this. I didn't know if I wanted to report it, but unbeknownst to me, I started a process that couldn't be stopped. Pictures were taken, bruises were counted, x-rays confirmed the broken rib, specialists looked at my mangled throat, the police were called, and he was arrested. It was a blur, but I didn't care. I just wanted to move on with my life. What I didn't realize was the door opened a crack a crack that led down a dark rabbit hole of all the things I'd never been brave enough to look at. I was very confused after this incident. I was a smart girl. How did I get to a place where I almost lost my life? I was careful to get into a very safe relationship and my external environment helped convince me that I was healed for a time. A few years later, we had a house, a boat, a dog, and a cat, and I was traveling the country making a quarter million dollars a year at a software company. I thought I had it all, but life still felt empty. Was this all there was? I decided to end that relationship. Three days later, my soulmate called me. I was a reference for one of the partners he had hired almost a year earlier. The timing was insane because we hadn't spoken since then. His name was Todd. And although I swore I'd never get married, it was like we'd known each other before. We were immediately best friends and had no idea how we did life before we met. It was a love story for the ages. After about a year in, I realized I couldn't give him my whole heart, even though I loved him more than life itself. My dad was cold. In fact, he couldn't connect with anybody. And I was worried that I might end up like him. So I took a shot at therapy. I had no idea the darkness I'd find on that couch, but my abusive past started to make sense. I had traumatic childhood memories come to me in a series of dreams for a period of a few years that plunged me into a dark depression as I tried to put the puzzle pieces together of my broken childhood. 
I thought I was a happy kid full of sunshine, but unfortunately, my smiling face hid the dark sexual abuse and the life I created around it to hide it from everyone, including myself. It's amazing how my four-year-old brain protected me by burying the memories so deep it couldn't be accessed for over 20 years and that it came out when I was very safe in adulthood and in little pieces, one by one, very careful to not completely overwhelm my system and put me into a psychotic break. I took a rainbow of antidepressants and other cocktails of pills to hide the depression while I was holding down a pretty stressful job traveling the country and working 60 to 80 hours a week. I finally came out on the other side. This part of my healing journey was no joke. It took me on uncharted waters, almost drowning me at times. I did guided imagery, which is sort of like hypnosis, except that you're in the driver's seat. It helped me uncover those memories from my subconscious brain, which were almost impossible to access. I utilized lucid dreaming most nights since I would be up for hours. I would replay those terrible scenes in my head, but this time, instead of being a frozen, unfeeling little girl, I would try to connect with the feelings that I didn't let myself feel at the time. I worked with myself as a little girl at different ages, being the witness during the terrible traumas. I would hold her hand and hug her so she didn't feel so alone in the darkness. And I cried and grieved and screamed. And I took those pills when I was so numb that suicide felt like an easier choice. When I wasn't bravely facing my demons, I was numbing out with books, every HBO series I could get my hands on, online shopping, eating ice cream, and hugging my cat and dog. It took years, but it was worth it. I found strength I didn't know I had and then was blissful after clearing all that trauma that weighed so heavily on my mind, body, and heart. This was when I began finding color. I had a dreamy beach wedding. We moved to Charleston and I quit my job. I thought I would live happily ever after, but apparently I was just creating space for the next round of adventures. It's unclear how it started. Maybe it was when I went into a sensory deprivation float tank. You go into a dark room and float in a bath calibrated to your body temperature with 800 pounds of Epsom salt in it so you can float on the water. You can't see, hear, or feel anything. And when your brain isn't busy processing the input from your five senses, it starts to work with your other senses. I don't think I fell asleep, but I was gone. It's hard to describe. I left with what I thought was a pinched nerve in my neck. Over the next few weeks, I thought I had pulled my trap muscle and then it morphed into frozen shoulder. I did everything, physical therapy, sound therapy, Reiki, massage, acupuncture, Feldenkrais, every type of energy work I could find 
and some help temporarily. My nights were terrible, and many of my earlier life traumas came back to haunt me, but lined up perfectly with my physical pain. Being strangled in his apartment came back, but it looked like he had Hulk hands. I remember dislocating my shoulder in soccer in high school. Then all of the traumas I was experiencing at that time came back. My parents were going through a terrible divorce. My best friend stopped talking to me. My brother was in and out of the hospital. And my best guy friends trapped me in a car and started molesting me. It was all during a six-month period in high school, and the memories just came pouring into my brain, all connected through the pain of my shoulder. Many of these seemed like more minor traumas compared to the others in my life, but apparently they still made their mark on my body. I would also have what I would call awake dreams, which were terrifying scenarios where I was strangled, hung in front of a crowd, dragged by a carriage by my left arm, or tied up on a ship. They all had to do with the pain in my shoulder and neck. Then my body stopped feeling like mine. I would feel like I was being electrocuted. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. Drinking alcohol tasted like poison, but I couldn't ground. I felt like I was floating away. And my emotions were all over the place. I would wake up with body parts cramped up or completely asleep at night. And after reading one to two books a week my entire life, I couldn't read a book. I was in tremendous pain all the time with my shoulder. I needed help getting dressed, and I didn't know who I was. I couldn't meditate, or if I did, I would go somewhere else and leave my body, and it felt very scary. I was either so jacked up, like I drank 20 cups of coffee, or completely disoriented and spaced out. I was so thirsty, Yet, I couldn't drink enough water. I went weeks barely eating anything and sleeping one to two hours a night. It felt like I was a drug addict, but the only thing I was taking was supplements. My body was constantly buzzing, and it was like I could hear the electricity in my veins. Time didn't make sense anymore. I, it was like I was on my own timeline. The pain in my shoulder kept me up, so I would fixate on that, trying to figure out what I had to let go of. But it was stubborn like me and refused to let go, even though I let go of every attachment I could think of. I felt everybody's energy, and the thought of being around certain people made me physically feel sick. I couldn't even go to dinner with another couple. Small talk hurt and the pasted smile on my face felt like someone else's. Only being on the porch, lying on the ground outside, or going to the beach would make me feel a little better. I didn't know how I'd wake up one day to the next, and finally just gave up on trying to predict what would go on with me, and just surrendered to this crazy energy that had overtaken my mind, body, and spirit. I was still in therapy, and I wondered if this was awake depression. But the difference was depression made me numb. 
and this was the opposite. I could feel everything with new intensity. Finally, after months of dealing with these strange symptoms, I realized I was having a kundalini awakening. It's when the life force that sits at the bottom of your spine starts to wake up and it rushes through your entire spine out your head. It's something people can sometimes experience for a few minutes during kundalini yoga class, but this is different. It's a sustained state of super powerful energy. It has to force through any blocks you may have in your chakras and literally changes your body down to the cellular level because every part of you now has to accommodate this influx of energy. It's a state that yogis and spiritual masters yearn for their entire lives, many never reaching the point that I just stumbled onto. Kundalini awakenings can also open spiritual gifts. Out of nowhere, I decided to become a Reiki master. Even though I had limited interest in Reiki before that and didn't plan on practicing it, but I just had to do it for some unknown reason. I also realized that all the dreams I was having about being hung and strangled were not dreams at all. I was awakening a part of myself that could access my past lives. A few years ago, I didn't even believe in past lives. I was a logical person and I didn't see the proof that it was possible. But now I could see how all the past lives were pieces of my soul and that the unhealed lives would attract more traumas until I finally decided to look at them, feel them, and heal them. I realized that this was a culmination lifetime for me, a chance to heal at the soul level. People I had past lives with started showing up in my life. I then remembered past lives I had with some of the people that I'm closest to in my life, like Todd, my close friends, and even my healers. It was fascinating to see what a beautiful, complicated mosaic my soul lived through. More gifts began opening, but again, they were so challenging, they didn't really feel like gifts. I stumbled into astral traveling, not even knowing what it was, but it's a quantum experience where you connect your consciousness with other planes and dimensions. It showed me awful universal traumas and darkness that I wouldn't even begin to understand until months later. I also started to be able to feel people that had recently passed on and help them transition to another plane, even with Todd's dad. To think that just a few years back, I was a successful businesswoman and here I was transitioning into the most woo-woo person I've ever known. But curiosity is my Achilles heel and I couldn't stop learning and seeking as painful as it was. And no matter how many horrible things I would see, I just felt it in my bones that there was a reason I was going through all of this. I just couldn't put my finger on it. None of this felt like a choice. So like the Kundalini, I surrendered to it. 
Now, nothing was off limits. I kept expanding my team of healers. Some took me to ancient worlds and other times in planes of existence. We would stop time together, change timelines, and work on DNA healing. I would fight off my soul enemies and retrieve lost parts of my soul in other dimensions. It's hard to explain because it would just happen and I would be on autopilot like I already knew what I was doing, but I had never before done any of this in this life. It didn't make any logical sense. When I don't understand something, I won't stop until it makes sense. When I faced something challenging, I would get the advice of multiple healers and wouldn't believe what they said unless at least two were telling me the same thing. Since everything sounded so unbelievable and otherworldly. I tried other non-traditional methods like DMT and Tulum, where I saw that everything in the universe is made of love and it creates a reality of your thoughts. That trip was in stark contrast to the mushroom journey I took where I saw all the darkness, the big, ugly, vast darkness, and I saw how it is part of all constructs in the world. And I witnessed how they provoke and feed off negative energy. I had a friend that channeled, so I started talking with all kinds of consciousness. I lined this up with my own experiences, past lives, and conversations with my healers and started to piece it all together. I started to understand some of the secrets of the universe and the battle of the light and the dark and all the beautiful colors in between. I realized that my journey is such that it is so I could fully understand both sides of the light and dark and that I have a mission as begrudgingly as I've been for years to accept it. I am a seeker, a teacher, a healer, and a warrior strong enough to hold all that is, the light and the dark, and to stand in my light to inspire others to seek and grow so they too can find their sovereignty in their lights. I know that not many have awakened at this point on earth. But I also know that there are many more to follow, and I'm hopeful that sharing my story will bring strength and courage to those that will start or have already embarked upon their own journeys. I don't have it all figured out yet, and I will continue on knowing that my calling isn't specific, but it is simple. I am light.